Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Han, the Hebrew Hammer, with you on this Friday, January 27th. Man, we are flying through the year already. Uh, I am fired up for, uh, I mean, you know why I'm fired up if you're a sports fan. And why wouldn't you be a sports fan if you're listening to this podcast? Uh, That's right. The Cincinnati Bengals have a big game on Sunday. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about the Canadians. But before we even get to that, I got to tell you, the SICK Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. They are an asset-based 3PL provider offering outstanding service at incredible rates, serving all of North America. Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. 8.6 beer, intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And of course, Lacage. And if the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs had a 50-goal score, it's time you went back to Lacage because the menu will surprise you. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess we could have assumed that the Montreal Canadiens Probably would have had a 50-goal scorer uh, this year had it not been for a freak injury during a practice really right after Stu Cowan and I spoke last week. So who better to have on at this point to recap the week that was than the man himself that we spoke to last week. Stu, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, So just to confirm, because we spoke about this last week, the Canadians, you know, they suffered more injuries. They, you were not the one called up, right? No, no, but you, you and I both might get called up by the end of the season. Yeah, you're, you're, you're moving up the depth chart, buddy. So uh, just be be prepared for, for a call. They called up Owen Beck tonight on an emergency basis because they're just they're running out of bodies. Uh, You know, practice this morning, uh, Suzuki, uh, Doc, and. uh, didn't take part in practice today. Neither did Dvorak because they were getting treatment. So I imagine there, there's concern that they won't be ready to. One of them won't be ready to play tomorrow night. So uh, Owen Beck uh, looks like he'll get a chance to play his first NHL game, getting called up from Peterborough. So Cole Caulfield spoke to the media th- this morning for the first time since uh, his injury. And uh, I mean, y- you take us through it. You were there. What was mm-hmm. uh, what were some of the things that jumped out at you? Well. I realized before, I mean, I wrote a column or story the day after it happened that there were a lot of balls being juggled here, right? I mean, Cole Caulfield, the thing that came out today, like he didn't want to not play. He wanted to keep playing. And he said if they were in a playoff race, he would still be playing. Um, But, you know, he's on pace to score more than 40 goals, something nobody's done uh, since Vincent Damfus. I think it was 93-94. Nobody scored 50 goals in Stefan Riche before that. so with the contract situation, him becoming a restricted free agent, obviously the more goals he scores, the more money he's going to be looking for. Um, but everybody, I guess, between himself, his agent, 
Pat Brissot and Kent Hughes, they decided, they all agreed that the best thing to do was to shut him down right now and get this injury taken care of now before it gets worse. Uh, and that way he'll be 100% ready to come back to start uh, training camp next season. As I, I think I mentioned last time I was on with you last week, I, I think there's some kind of a contract or maybe a couple of contracts that have already been handshake agreed to uh, because I don't think he would have shut down the way he has unless there was some kind of an agreement between his agent and Hughes as to what that contract will look like. It's interesting because, uh, you know, Caulfield said that his shoulder didn't hurt at all when he was shooting. It didn't hurt at all when he was getting body checked. It did hurt when he would fall to the ice or some awkward motions or that it would hurt. Uh, he said the first time he was hurt was the game in Dallas before Christmas and his shoulder popped out. He was able to pop it back in himself. And then basically the same thing happened again, January 3rd, I guess was second or third when they played in Nashville. Uh, and that time it was more painful. And then we saw three different doctors and the last doctor we saw was the same doctor who performed the surgery on Josh Anderson for his uh, labrum uh, tear there a couple of years ago. And he basically told Cole that you're risking causing further damage if you have another fall, uh, which would make the, the operation more difficult, maybe longer recovery time. So at that point, uh, all parties involved decided that, okay, let's shut it down right now. Let's get this taken care of. Uh, the recovery period for Anderson surgery, which is very similar, was four to six months when he got it done. So with that time frame in mind, I think it was closer to seven months by the time that uh, Josh Anderson was ready to come back. So with that time frame in mind, Caulfield should be ready to go by the time training camp starts next year. And he'll have a new contract before then. We'll figure out what the dollar figures and the year figures are uh, on that, I would think. I would think pretty soon or after the trade deadline at the latest. I don't think this will drag on to the summer. Yeah, and, and they definitely have more time now because it's one of those situations, you know, maybe they didn't want to have that be a storyline throughout the season, even though inevitably it has become one. Uh, now they could actually sit down at a table, talk about what he did this year and, and hammer that thing out. I mean, like you said last week, you know, I I, I don't think there's much more to – to really hash out. I mean, it's probably the finer details of it because mm -hmm. they, they, we hear it constantly, you know, Kent Hughes has said, Cole Caulfield wants to be here. Cole Caulfield has said he wants to be mm -hmm. here. And so has Jeff Gordon. So I, I, I don't see this. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't see this taking uh, too much time uh, from uh, in the, in the media's hands, at least for much longer. Yeah, when I asked Cole Dark at this, you know, there was, was there a correlation between the contract and this decision to go down? And he said, not really. He said, but, you know, they know what kind of player I am at this point. But again, he wouldn't be sitting in on all the negotiations as they, the agents usually handle that. But yeah. I'm sure, as I said, I'm sure there's some kind of a gentleman's agreement between Pat Brisson and Kent Hughes as to what the, the contract will look like when it's, uh, when it's officially signed and officially announced. So uh, uh, it's crazy because we were talking about it last night that just the injury, uh, last week rather, the injury luck that the Canadians were having. And then the news came out Saturday morning that he suffered that injury just insanity and then you know i guess at that point canadians nation at least i would say 75 percent of them because i'm assuming that's i'm being i'm going low here that's mm -hmm. the number that are on the tank train you know you never want to see a player go down but they're like wow okay the, this sucks because he was worth the price of admission and one of the few reasons to be watching the canadians night in night out but uh Let's go, baby. Bedard season in full effect. And then they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So it's it's funny how these well, things happen. Because well, I'm sure the, 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 you know, the, fact, the fact that Canadians are not as good a team without Cole Caulfield probably factored into the decision to shut them down a little bit too because it doesn't prove their odds of getting a higher pick. But then 
you know, hockey can be a strange game, and that Laval line has been their best line the last couple well, of that's games. It. Between uh, Harvey Pennard and Pizzetta, they're three friends. They played together in Laval. They like each other on the ice. They like each other off the ice. They obviously have chemistry. They're feeding off each other, and they've been a lot of fun to watch, and it's just it shows that, you know, I asked Marty St. Louis about this after the game the other day. It just, you know, talent's one thing, but hard work and effort can a lot of times be better than talent. And, you know, Harvey Pryor's got three goals now. That's the same amount that Yoel Armia has this season. And it's three more than Jonathan Drewing has this season. And a big reason why he has three goals is because he works his butt off every single time he's on the ice. And all three of those guys have been doing that uh, since they've had their opportunity together. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I think the team, the other players in the team are feeding off the energy that they're bringing also. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about Harvey Pernard because, you know, last night, obviously the marquee game for him, he had two goals. Uh, The second goal was just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, people who follow Laval closely would probably expect him to, you know, put up some points. You know, his his nickname is Brendan Gallagher Jr. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but did anyone really expect him to have the hands in tight like he had last night? Oh, did anybody expect the pass from Pizzetta? I mean, you know, one of the, <laughs> one of the goals he scored was a setup from Doc, and then the other one was from Pizzetta. And it just shows, you know, everybody who gets to the NHL is a good hockey player. Like, you don't get – you have to have talent. Some guys have more talent than others. And one of the things I've always admired about Sidney Crosby is apart from being the best player in the NHL for so long, you know, Connor McDavid probably surpassed him now, but he's also the hardest working guy on the ice. Like you watch him in a game, Sidney Crosby works his butt off every time he's on the ice. And that's a, the guys with that amount of talent that work that hard, they're not always there. Um, but just as I said, to watch Pizzetta and, and you know, Alex Bills, oh, what a story he is. I mean, he played house league hockey as a kid. He didn't even play double letter hockey. And he's just, he never gave up. He just kept working and working and working. He said it, you know, I was talking to him after the game the other day. He said at age 20, he says, he, he says, I'm not stupid. He said, I knew my skating was my issue. I wasn't a good enough skater. I just kept working on it and working on it and working on it. He got it good enough to be a, a minor league player, a successful minor league career. And he's getting his chance now to play not only in the NHL, but play for the Canadians. And he's making the most of it. And, and, you know, Kirby Doc was saying after the game, he says every time Belzil comes in the locker room, he's got a big smile on his face. He's happy. He's, he's, he's enjoying every moment that he's there. And it seems to be rubbing off on some of his teammates. Yeah, and it's nice to see because, you know, this is this is another thing. You know, like there was that that P.K. Subban night that we keep talking about that, you know, it could it could really have an effect on a lot of players, especially young players. But what more than – th- how old is Alex Belzil now? He must be 28. Yeah, he's getting close to 30. Yeah. Exactly. And just, you know, I, I believe last year was the first time he touched NHL ice. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just nuts that, you know, you stick with it. And it just shows that those guys in the AHL that are grinding it out, you know, we talk about passion for hockey and that you have to have passion to play in the NHL. You can't just have the talent alone. Those guys in the AHL, they love their job. Because they love the game of hockey, and Alex Belzil is a really a prime example of that. And it shows on the ice every time he's out there. It's like these are the types of guys. If you're not going to have the high talent level uh, that you know a playoff contending team will have, you want those guys that play their every shift like it's their last. The other thing I like is the way Marty St. Louis has handled these guys. I mean, Marty St. Louis doesn't play favorites. If you work hard and you do your job, you're going to get ice time. That fourth line got quite a lot of ice time. He kept using them more and more as the game went on. And overtime started. He put Raphael, he put Harvey Pennard on the ice to start overtime mm-hmm. when they had a power play, and he almost scored. He had a great scoring chance. It was a great save. 
And, uh, you know, I asked uh, Harvey Pinar after the game, what, you know, what was your reaction when you got the tap on the shoulder from Marty to go over the, the boards to start overtime? He says, it's, you got to take advantage of opportunities like that. And, you know, here's a kid who grew up dreaming about scoring a goal at the Bell Center and then getting two and hearing his name called and being out. I mean, you imagine if you completed the hat trick in overtime, the place would have gone nuts. And as I said, it was like only a great save that stopped that from happening. So Marty St. Louis has been really good with, when guys get called up, he, he gives them an opportunity. He gives them an opportunity to play and, and show what they can do. And uh, as I said, this line has just been – it's been – you know, we thought the second half of the season was going to – because they got – just before the end of the first half, they were looking a lot like they did last season where they were bad, they were mm. boring, uh, they weren't much fun to watch. And then they had that meeting uh, before the second half of the season where Marty saying we talked about we're going to forget about the first half, we're going to move forward in the second half. I think we talked about this last week. We're going to play for the crest, we're going to play for the city, we're going to tighten up a little bit more defensively, which they really have done. Um, and we're seeing it on the ice. And uh, the guys getting called up from uh, Laval, and it's going to be interesting to see. I imagine Owen Beck's going to get in the lineup tomorrow, and if he does, it's good. He looked really good at rookie camp. He looked really good during training camp and in the preseason. Uh, you know, got called up to play for Team Canada at the World Juniors the last three games, and now he gets a chance to play in the NHL. So, you know, he'll be pumped up and he'll be flying if he does get a chance to get out there. Well, that and that's a, that's another – so you talk about the defensive uh, adjustments that the Canadians have made and the, how they've tightened up. You know, two guys who have really tightened up their play uh, since – well, it was just a one-game sample from one of them, but Jake Allen and Samuel Montembeau have uh, have really seemed to have turned a corner mm-hmm. because they were they were letting in some bad goals during that slide. And, you know, this is where I said, okay, that's it. The reality is set in. Carey Price is no longer here. These guys, while they are great backups, you cannot put them in a starting position because this is what's going to happen. But man, oh man, uh, you know, what for, for, you don't really talk about it in a game where a goaltender lets in three goals, but man, that third period, what a goaltender duel that was. That was just shot after shot, you know, big punch, big punch. Teams going bo- blow for blow at each other and just both goaltenders just standing up. And, you know, hats off to Jake Allen because that that is a, that is not an easy thing to do right off of an injury. No, exactly. I mean, and then with Montembeau, you know, I think he had a 930 save percentage during the eight games when Allen was out. And talking just earlier there about how Marty St. Louis rewards players, Montembeau's going to be back in goal again tomorrow night in Ottawa. I thought they might go with Allen back to back since he hasn't mm-hmm. played and have a, the, going into the break after that. But Montembeau deserves another shot and uh, he's going to get another shot. So the, the goaltending, and you know, when Allen spoke with me the other day, he was saying it was interesting. He was talking about you know, Montembeau, he can see him as a goalie of the future in a tandem with Caden Primo, mentioning that you know, they're still young. And you know, I wrote a column uh, yesterday and I'm talking about, I remember watching Ed Balfour, it was like the late 80s early 90s and he was playing uh, for Team Canada game in Granby and I didn't know who Ed Belfort was like he wasn't he had never been drafted or nothing like that and he, he played an amazing game uh, and then afterwards I talked to him and uh, you know he said he had, uh, Chicago had, had signed them and they told him that he could be their goalie of the future and I remember thinking to myself you're 24 years old you're you know undrafted you're not going to be the goalie right but we know that right the rest is history yeah. he won a Stanley Cup uh, Calder Trophy a couple of Vezina Trophies a Hall of Famer so goalies uh, I've said this, but goalies are weird, man. They're, uh, you know, they're a different breed. And uh, at 26, Montabo is young still for a goalie. Kent Hughes mentioned that when he spoke with the media last week. Caden Primo is even younger. He's having a bit of a rough season this year. But that's one of the things to be interesting to see moving forward, how the Canadians' goaltending situation works out. But for now, with Allen and Montabo, um, you know, if Kent Hughes, does, he's not going to trade Montabo. He said that. But if he doesn't trade Allen, they're, 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 
I think set up just the way they want to be set up now in goal as this rebuild moves forward. As Jake Allen said, you know, he's not going to be around when this rebuild gets to the, the final stages, uh, but he's going to play a key role in this team getting to that point. You know, it's interesting because that, that last comment, it really piques my interest because I was already thinking, you know, because we, we talk about how Martin St. Louis rewards hard work and, and that's just the kind of season it is. And mm-hmm. he's growing with this team. But there will come a point when this team is contending consistently. And, and I'm interested to see how the locker room culture kind of shifts when, you know, they are contending for the playoffs. They are contending for Stanley Cups. And, you know, you're going to have talented players and then you're going to have the the ones on the fourth line that are going to be like, hey, where was my – maybe they'll be like, hey, where was my ice time, uh, you know, that I was getting last year or, or a couple games ago when I was working my tail off and I still am. It, it's, it's interesting to see how this whole – just to look big picture for a second, this whole operation is going to move forward once the team actually progresses. Well, the thing I like about what Kent Hughes has done is he's getting all a lot of guys in the same age group, 20, 21, 22, 23. You know, Kirby Doc's part of that, Suzuki, Caulfield, uh, Barron. Like he, he's made trades, a lot of trades, getting guys who were drafted a couple of years earlier and it didn't maybe work out for whatever team they were with and giving them another opportunity. And he's, he's building an app where all these guys are the same age, they have a lot in common. They're going to grow up together on the ice. They're going to grow up together off the ice. And they're going to build – he wants to build sort of a family environment there. And, and getting all these guys in that same age group I think is a really important part of this rebuilding process. They're going to become sort of like brothers, right? They're going to – you know, in the locker room, you just sort of see guys oh, – I, I get a chuckle because Jack I and uh, uh, Kovacevic sit beside each other and sort of overhearing some of their conversations. It's hilarious. I mean, they're two different characters, right? And, and But they're really good friends and – and Caulfield's always fun around the room, and they're they're having they're having fun in the locker room. Like the bell, the, the the as I go back to you know near the end of Dominic Ducharme's uh, reign as coach, when Josh Anderson said it's not fun coming to the rink anymore, and that was the death blow to to uh, Dominic Ducharme. But the guys are they're having fun, even like is, there's been ups and downs this season, but being around the locker room, the guys are having they enjoy being in, they enjoy each other's company. They're having fun on the ice, they're having fun off the ice. Uh, they want to play for their coach. They respect their coach. Uh, so it's a good environment. They're building a really good environment with this team. And as I said, in that, all those guys in that similar age group growing up together on and off the ice. And I think that's a key part of the plan for the rebuild with uh, uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Yeah, and, and a key name that you mentioned and a part of that group of the 20, 21, 22-year-olds is Kirby Doc because mm-hmm. man, oh, man, I mean, we, we were all impressed with him when they put him with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield at the beginning of the season. They rode that yeah. way for a while. We said, oh, this guy looks like a good player. But, man, he has just emerged. I mean, I, it feels like the last week Kirby Doc has arrived. That, that's what it feels yeah. like to me. He is, like, dictating play on the ice. The puck goes where he wants it to go when he's on the ice. It seems to always be in the offensive zone. And he is looking more and more like that dominating center since he actually moved back to the position this week. He's even winning faceoffs, and he's winning fights, <laughs> like unanimous <laughs> fights. I mean, that was that was a beatdown. I mean, that was only the second fight of his NHL career. And uh, you know, we asked him after the game, you know, did something happen between you two guys in the first period? And he says, no. He says, just there was stuff going on on the ice I didn't like, and it's hockey, and it's part of hockey, but. 
you know, I love when Marty St. Louis was asked about it after the game. He says, uh, in the big picture, I loved it, watching him defend <laughs> himself like that and step up for his teammates. Um, yeah, I think, you know, playing with Caulfield and Suzuki, I think he gained a, his confidence obviously took a big blow when he's with Chicago. You know, when you're a number three overall pick and then, you know, a couple of years later you get traded away. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation, like why wasn't he doing well in Chicago? I know he had the wrist injury and that. Um, you know, he's played with those two guys. He gained a lot of confidence. Marty took him off that line, put him at center a couple of times, didn't work out well, put him back with Suzuki and Caulfield because he couldn't find somebody else. And now the, you know, it's it's Caulfield out that he's he had basically almost had to put him back at center, and he did. And confidence is such a big part in the NHL, any pro sport. And he's got that confidence now, and we really saw it. I mean, the fight was part of it. Uh, you know, the pass that he made, uh, we mentioned earlier for uh, Harvey Penard's goal. He's just you. Know, he's a physical presence on the ice, and he just turned 22 last weekend. So he's, he's still going to get fill out a little bit more. He's still going to be another 5, 10 pounds, probably a muscle heavier as, as he continues to fill out. And the thing I like, he's just, he's so smart with the puck. Like you see the way he can come over the blue line and speed up or slow down and control the pace. He's great at bringing the puck in deep and then doing that tight turn and coming back and finding an open guy. He's just a really smart hockey player. And we saw that when he played with Suzuki and Caulfield because they both have high hockey IQs. But he, he's that smart hockey IQ um, and, and that physicality he brings, that uh, yeah. the size he has, and, and you know the the fight he had. I mean, that guys around the league will see that. You know, it's, uh, it's he's not. You know, you don't want him fighting. He's not a fighter, but he just showed that he's not. You know, start pushing me around or taking cheap shots. I'm gonna respond to it. So, um, yeah, what a what a what a pickup by uh, Kent Hughes on draft day. Uh, he obviously saw something in Kirby Doc that the Blackhawks didn't. There was a couple of Blackhawks scouts at the game last night. Gordy Donnelly's always yeah. there. He's a Montreal guy, and I can't remember who the second scout was, but they must have been looking down and going, let this guy go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just when you see what he's been able to do lately. I mean, you, you said it right off the hop, like he's winning faceoffs. Just what mm. a, it, it's, it, it sounds like something so small, but it's such a big part because, you know, it kind of completely changes the the scope of your shift you're going to have when you win that faceoff. Yeah. I mean, so a, it, it just a, a lot of analytics to play play faceoffs mean nothing, but the uh, any NHL coach will tell you they do because if you keep losing faceoffs, you're chasing the puck the whole game. You know, it's Yeah, um, and it just it just makes your life easier exactly. when you you just start yeah. off with it. Yeah. It, it it's just it's so unbelievable to watch because you know, I I think a lot of people were very apprehensive you know, about this trade when it happened and, and we're watching it. How often can we say that we're literally watching a trade blossom before our very own eyes? The last yeah. time we were able to say that was probably filled to no. And then the time before that, yeah, I mean, your guess is as good as mine on exactly. that. So it's just, exactly. It, it's really, really just phenomenal to see. Uh, and just, uh, you know, speaking of trades, uh, the, you know, during the, during the game last night on uh, the TSN broadcast, they did their insider trading segment and uh, Pierre Lebrun gave a lowdown on Sean Monaghan. Uh, so uh, the rumors continue. Uh, this time he was heavily linked to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't that be nice to get another first round pick or another player from Colorado that, like Justin Barron? But yeah. just my, my question to you is if teams are sniffing around, you know, he must be, you know, close to a return. You would think so. Although, you know, he was skating for a while and then he didn't skate. He wasn't on the ice today. Um, the Canes haven't given us any kind of an update. They said there's no update on it yet. So it's 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 bizarre. And you know, in hindsight, 
the fact that Canadians let him, you know, there was games he was showing up with that boot cast on, taking the cast off, playing the game, and then putting the cast back on after the game. Yeah. He did that for three or four games in a row. And uh, in hindsight, you know, it doesn't look like that was a good decision. I mean, this guy was, you know, maybe should have shut him down a little bit earlier. But yeah. um, you wonder what kind of damage he did playing. I, I imagine it was a broken foot. I mean, he said he got hit by a shot. That's what it was. And brings back memories of Shea Weber playing on the broken foot a few years ago. And we know what that led to. But uh, Kirby Doc's a key, key guy for the Canadians, whether it's what they get at the trade deadline or whether they re-sign him to keep him or whether they trade him at the trade deadline and then re-sign him again in the summer, which would be the perfect scenario for the Canadians. Mm. But it's going to be interesting to see um, you know, the, the trade deadline's coming up uh, March 3rd, I believe, and uh, they got to get him on the ice playing some games before that. But you have to figure – you would think he's coming back. I mean, I – when he was skating there earlier, I figured, okay, he'll be back uh, maybe even like before the All-Star break, playing either Saturday yeah. or Tuesday. But it, it, it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. It'll be, I imagine it'll be after the All-Star break. Uh, maybe they've just shut him down now until the end of the All-Star break to make sure he is 100%. Maybe Colorado or a team interested told the Canadians, let him have as much time off as he needs. We want him healthy when we're going to get him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that moving forward. Yeah, it's... Uh... Again, just the uh, so I'm going to ask you about one more thing before we get to a, a bigger picture that uh, that I saw was uh, being talked about. But uh, Joel Edmondson also, uh, <laughs> you know, he left yesterday's game. Uh, it's just the hits just keep on coming. Well, I mean, last night it was a lower body injury, and today it was an upper body injury. The Canadian said, right? So make so it make sense. I figure it's, I figure it's his back because that's again because that's sort of middle body. So I guess it could yeah. be upper body or lower, but. I feel bad for Joel Edmondson because if it's his back again, man, that'd be, you know, the start of last season was delayed because of his back. The start of this season was delayed because of his back. And now if it's his back again, that's not a good sign for him. And it's not a good thing for the Canadians if they were looking to move him at the trade deadline, which they probably were. So the, the question is, is, you know, we talked about Cole Caulfield. He played a little injured. We talked about Sean Monaghan just before, you know, he mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have been back on the ice when he was, uh, you know, there's just a multitude of injuries going on right now. And now Joel Edmondson is the latest. Uh, the, the, the question, the question comes up and, you know, I'm not expecting you to become an, to, to be mm -hmm. in the room or whatever, but how, how much of this is falling on the, the Canadians team doctors at this point? Well, as a team, doctors and medical staff, they have to take some responsibility. I mean, as you say, you go back to the Shea Weber situation. Um, even even Carey Price, that year Carey he, Price, you know, he came back Gallagher. and he went down again. And, you know, Ken Hughes said when he spoke with us last week, you know, a guy like Brendan Gallagher, you tell him three weeks, he's going to try and come back in a week. That's admirable. They all do that. But at some point, you got to say, no, you're not playing. You're staying out three weeks. No, you're not. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a medical doctor. Uh, uh, the player shouldn't be making the final decision on that. Like I say, you know, Monaghan, I remember covering those games and seeing him walking into the rink on the road with the cast on his foot and figuring, okay, he's not playing tonight. Then you see him in the pregame warm-up and then you see him playing and then he comes out to be interviewed after the game and he's got the, the cast back on. You're like, what's going on here? Sort of thing, you know, and, and uh, you know, Gallagher coming back, getting hurt. Uh, Matheson came back, got re got injured again. Uh Drew, you go down the list, it's, it's over and over. And you know, it was <laughs> the game at the other night, last night at the Bell Center. And during the second intermission, uh, the players sit at the end of the press box, the injured players, and they were sort of some of them were walking up that either stretched their legs or 
go to the washroom or whatever. And I said, the Canadians are getting an endorsement deal with a knee brace company. Jaden <laughs> <laughs> Gouley and Slavkovsky and uh, Jake Evans. And they're all walking around with these braces on. Gallagher's got the cast boot on his foot. They need to start doing ads to some kind of a medical clinic. It's, it's crazy. You look at the, you know, it's a, the, you know, you got Edmondson now, you got Goulet, you got Caulfield, you got Gallagher, you got Monaghan, you got Evans, you got Armia, you got Drouin, Slavkovsky, throw in Byron, throw in Price. It's it's insane the amount of injuries they have. But I think at the end of the season, um, one of the things that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon need to look at is the medical staff. And are these guys protecting the players from themselves, which is part of what a, a medical team has right. to do? Because these guys, most of these guys, I mean, some players – a little nick here and there they don't want to play but there's more especially in hockey there's more guys like brendan gallagher who figure they're going to play through anything or like sean monahan who's going to take his cast off play and then put his cast back on yeah it's excuse me it's it's, it's just absolute insanity because you know you just you'd think they would have learned their lesson after the just big debacle with price and then i forget who was who stepped in. it was mike condon who had to step in that mm-hmm. year you know, that, that was just a disaster. And, and you thought, okay, now we're not going to make that mistake again. And now I don't know if it's the same staff as it was, um, you know, but it's just, it seems like there has to be like a top-down policy change on, on injuries at this point because special special cases can be made. I mean, look at, look at football right now. Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. If this yeah. is a regular season game, I doubt he's playing. I doubt yeah. it. I don't care and how football is one game a week. What well, football is one game a week too. Go. But all week, to, it's not like hockey where you're playing three games in four nights or two games in in three nights. And well, and today, like Cole Caulfield said, he didn't want to stop playing. He wanted to play, but mm. medical staff or doctors had came in and said, "No, you're not going to play. You're going to get this operation done now because it's going to be the best thing for you. And if you don't like it, that's you know, it's this is going to be the the best thing for you to do right now is shut it down, get this surgery, and come back next season. So. You know the, the the medical people uh, got through to him or and and yeah. told him what to do and and so it's you know moving forward it, it, it's I mean if Caulfield as I said earlier you, know, you understand why he wants to keep playing he wants to score forty goals he wants to maybe score fifty goals but so he scores fifty goals and then damages the shoulder more and he has the operation in the off season and he misses the first two months of next season. So it's uh, anyway. I, I think they made the right decision on this one and they shut the uh, shut him down and, and get the shoulder taken care of and hopefully he's back hundred percent next season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just again, it, it's it's crazy to me because you know you just see it top down. I mean, the season it, you can't say the season's worth nothing because the, mm-hmm. you know as we're seeing they're they're growing and they're yeah. you know that a lot of players are developing and progressing. But man, oh man, you know you just got to think about like the long term damage that these guys are doing by by not only to themselves but to the benefit of the team and 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 all that. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's it's a tough sport. That's what it comes down to. It's just a yeah. tough tough sport. Oh, I mean it's it, as I said, you know, football is an incredible physical sport, but they play. 17 games a year you know i look yeah. at you know the hockey and not just that the travel i mean i go on road trips with the canadians i'm not playing any hockey but you come back from doing three games in four nights i'm exhausted i haven't never you know just sat in the press box just to travel alone but for these guys uh you know the grind that they put themselves through i mean nick Suzuki's the only guy in the team who played every single game last year and this year i think there's either two or three guys that haven't missed the game i think it's three that haven't missed the game this year and suzuki's one of them and now you know 
he maybe won't play tomorrow night. He didn't practice that. He's one of the guys who didn't practice because of a therapy day. For any player to play all 82 games in the NHL season, the way things are today is just, it's, it's remarkable that, uh, you know, you don't get a shot off the foot. You don't twist your knee, you don't whatever. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's to me, I still think it's the most physically challenging sport there is with the speed. There's no out of bounds. You can't avoid a hit yeah. with the speed, the amount of games they play. And if you factor in the preseason, the postseason, if you go all the way, guys are playing 115, 120 games. It's nuts. Yeah, and you know what? There's not and, – and listen, I, I, I like the NBA. I like the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. more specifically. Mm-hmm. But you don't really see players taking uh, therapy games off. You know, no, you and in the NBA, you don't get run into the boards. <laughs> it's, well, you know, that, it's, that too. It's a physical game, but you're not getting, not, you're not getting thrown into a wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you might be taking a 250-pound man's knee to the chest. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, but, mm-hmm. you know – Give and take, give and take. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I just want to take a, a couple comments uh, from our listeners because they've been uh, so kind. They've been so kind to write them in. Uh, so let's pop them up, uh, Juliana and Sammy, when, uh, whichever one you want. Uh, just uh, throw them up at random and we'll, uh, we'll get one of them, uh, Stu, to answer one of the questions here. So, uh, hey, so this one's from Big Bill. Uh, hey, Stu, what decision do you think the Habs will take if Caulfield will not sign for less than $10 million per year? Bridge, arbitration, trade? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I can't see him asking for $10 million. I can't see his agent's got to be reasonable too. I mean, Suzuki's 7.8. Um, I could see them maybe asking for eight. If it goes to 10, maybe they do take him to arbitration. That's when it gets sort of ugly. I mean, remember with PK when he went to arbitration and arbitration, he sat out a couple games. Arbitration hearings aren't good. Like basically the team tells you everything that's wrong with you. Um, mm. you know, why you don't deserve the money. Um, I, I really don't think it's going to get to that point. I think they're going to settle this. As I said, mentioned earlier, I think they already have it basically settled. Yeah. And I'm expecting it comes in somewhere 7.5 to 8. I, I, I think they'll, they'll try to keep them a little bit below Suzuki. But if they go above, I mean, Suzuki's not going to complain. I mean, the Suzuki basically asked Suzuki a couple of weeks ago, have you given him any advice? Or I'm sorry, I asked Cole, and he, he said, no, Nick just told me he wants me to get it done. And so yeah, no, just get he, that money. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's going to get to that point. Uh, I'm pretty certain that it's going to be resolved uh, pretty soon. Yeah, and I, I don't think, uh, you know, there's a jealousy factor playing in when a player has already signed his contract. Yeah. To, towards a, a new play. I don't think that really plays into the... To if it did get the $10 million, though, to answer the question, I think it would end up arbitration uh, mm-hmm. because, like, that's sort of going to... That's that's a, a lot of money for a guy who, uh, as young as he is, uh, who struggled, you know, with Dominic Ducharme was here, and he's yeah. got a shoulder injury now, too. So it's, to me, that, that's, a, that's a big ask. Maybe, you know, that's why I think there might be a shorter term deal that's sort of negotiated and a longer term deal that's sort of negotiated. And then they're going to decide which way they go. Um, but for Caulfield, maybe he wants a shorter deal to cash in or maybe with the shoulder injury, he says, you know what, I want to, I want guaranteed money. I want as much guaranteed yeah. money as I can get. And, you know, I think I mentioned to you last week, you know, if you're making $49 million or if you're making $56 million or $55 million, I don't know how much it really changes your life that much. But if, if yeah. you got you know forty nine million dollars guaranteed over seven years and three years at twenty million or whatever guaranteed, you're leaving a lot of money on the table with the possibility of having an injury that you don't get that next 
contract. Yeah, we we've seen it time and time again. I mean, sports sports across the board, but hockey really. I mean, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, we got two more. So well, at least Sammy, the uh, are guaranteed, unlike the NFL. Yes, yes, correct. Yes, yeah. unless your name is uh, unless your name is Deshaun Watson, which is yeah. we're, we're, we won't go there. But yeah. uh, anyways, uh, Sammy, uh, Juliana, please pop another one up. Any idea of Edmondson hurt his back again? I mean, I'm, we talked. I, to I'm, I'm, the fact that last night they said it was a lower body injury, and then today all of a sudden it was an upper body injury. To me, it's a middle body injury and just with the problems he's had the the ongoing problems he's had with his back i figure it's got to be his back i remember at the golf tournament uh before the start of this season uh, he said his back was great he was playing golf he was having no issues with it and then uh, a little tweak in a scrimmage or whatever it was and he was out missed the start of the season again so he's got a lingering back problem or he's had a lingering back problem so um you have to figure. I mean, we we tried to get an update from the Canes today to say what it was. They didn't. I'm figuring it's his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, we got one more for you. Uh, so, how has Mon- Monahan? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I mean, I guess the question is, you know, how has he been playing? Oh, how has he been able to play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. It's you know, hockey players are a different breed. It's like uh, how is how does Brendan Gallagher be able to play? as long as he's played with the injuries he had. I mean, we're in Nashville uh, before Christmas and uh, no, it was after Christmas, I guess I'm screwed out. He was just after Christmas and uh, Gallagher went down in practice and he got up and he was really slow. Uh, Graham Ryan came on the ice and he went to the bench and I figured, okay, he's done. And he came back and he finished practice. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's, it's there, you know, it's, these guys are they're a different breed. I mean, how did he do it? He might, you know, I imagine he was taking some kind of painkillers in his foot. The thing, though, if it, I mean, I likely it's a broken foot because he said it was an injury right. from a shot and he had a cast on his foot. I'm not a doctor, but probably a broken one bone. Plus, one plus one equals two. The thing is, know? the thing is, a hockey skate is almost like a cast, right? So yeah, you put your foot in your hockey skate. It's almost like you're wearing a cast while you're while you're going out there. Uh, I'm sure it hurts like hell when the freezing wears off after the game, but the pain tolerance that these guys have, and a guy like Sean Monahan, I mean, he's played through major injuries to both hips that required surgery. He's had three or four other different types of surgeries. I mean, I don't think when he, the beginning of this season, he said it was the first time in about four years that he had played without any pain. So it's, you know, it's, it's part of, it's part of being an NHL player. These guys, there's a very, it's 82 game season. I would say there's maybe five or six games that players, most players who play a physical style play that they're a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, you talk about just being a different breed in that story of Brendan Gallagher, you know, it just popped into my head. It's funny because Martin St. Louis is now, is now a member of the Montreal Canadiens organization. I, I remember, I think it was him, but I remember there was a game where, a player took a stick to the mouth, and I'm 95% sure it, it was Martin St. Louis. He takes a stick to the mouth, has to get a double root canal during the game, and then comes back and plays. I think he was on the New York Rangers when this happened. Steve Bajan had a similar one. Steve Bajan, I remember, got his face rammed into the boards when he was with the Canadians, and they have like a dentist chair at the Bell Center, and he was sitting there, and they're, they're, yeah, I think they're either yanking teeth or they were stitched, and he's oh, yelling God. at the dentist to hurry up so he can get back on the ice. It's yeah. See, you know, I remember, I'm yelling I remember, at the. I remember talking. Hey, to my go dentist. ahead. Go ahead. I went to my dentist shortly after that, and he said, "Normally, like like you, like a guy who works in an office, like if you lose a teeth, it's a real trauma to your body. Like I'd be telling you, yeah. take two or three days off work, and you sit at a desk. 
know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trauma to lose. You have a, have a bone. I mean, it's just knocked out of your mouth. These guys do it, and they come back and play two minutes later. My dentist was shaking his head. So I, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe they let them do that. And secondly, I can't believe that they're able to do that. Well, it's like I remember when I got oh, – I had a root canal not too long mm-hmm. ago. I, you know, It's been a couple of years now, but I remember it vividly. Like right after, I, you know, I got my – half my face is frozen, and yeah. I'm like struggling to put a straw in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm finding the one non-frozen part to, you know, take a sip uh-huh. of water. And these guys are, you know, like, yeah, get me – hurry up, would you? I want to get back out there. I'm yelling hurry up because I'm scared out of my – I'm scared out of my seat sitting there. At the work yeah. that they're doing it anyways. I'll tell you, uh, I'll, if you got time, I'll tell you. Like, yeah, 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 please. Um, as, uh, well, I'm trying to, the, the longtime Canadian's doctor's name, I'm having a brain cramp here now. Um, oh, God. It'll come to me. Anyway, the, the, first, the yeah. first patient he ever had, he stitched up was Bob Yor when he was playing junior. And uh, it was the Oshawa Generals. And uh, he was bleeding everywhere. And at the old forum, it was like a linoleum floor on the bottom. So it was just blood everywhere. And he comes in and he stitches him up. And uh, he says, okay, you got to sit here for a couple of minutes and make sure you're okay and it's all good. And he goes back outside and he comes back five minutes later to see if Orr's okay. There's no more blood on the floor. It's all cleaned up. Orr got off the table, used towels, and cleaned all of his own blood up off the floor so he could get back into the game. It's just crazy. Just crazy These guys, man. I mean, hockey players, it's, yeah. this stuff never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Uh, Stu, thank you very much once again. Uh, uh, taking time on your Friday night and on your weekend to uh, join us on the sick podcast, very much appreciated. And uh, have yourself a fantastic rest of the weekend and enjoy the hockey game tomorrow night. I mean, it was Dr. Mulder. The name just popped ah, there you go. The old brain, you know, the hamster I was, was running there. The hamster was yeah. running there. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that too. I was like, oh, what's yeah. the guy's name? I know who yeah. he's talking about. All right. Yeah, All right, thanks very night. much, too. Okay, you, too, you as well. You as well. All right. Uh, it is Friday. It's 1041. Uh, I'm fired up. You all know why. Hit the music. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. It's also football with Matt O'Hare. Burrow hooks a pass. Wide open chase. Touchdown. Bengals. This is going to be one of the best weekends of football I think that I have ever been alive to watch. And, I, and I'm really not speaking in hyperbole. I truly, truly believe that. Just all the storylines going into this weekend. Okay, so let, let's begin. I'm going to begin with the Eagles and the 49ers because that is the first game on tap on Sunday. Uh, just right off the bat, so I'll, I'll tell you right now, the, the 49ers are two and a half point underdogs. The reason for that being, there's a couple of reasons. Um, one, that the Eagles are the number one seed. They have home field. So you got to respect the uh, the number one seed in the conference. Number two is the Eagles have uh, Jalen Hurts, who is who was at least, uh, well, he is a finalist and he probably would have won the MVP it, had he not suffered that shoulder injury. Excuse me as I clear my throat. I hate when this happens. All right, I'm back. Yes, yeah, so uh, Jalen Hurts, who probably would have won had he not suffered that shoulder injury. So um, just right off that, you, and then on the other side, you got Brock Purdy. Jalen Hurts versus Brock Purdy? Really? Uh, so here, here's my thing. Uh, that I think can be controlled. I don't think Purdy 
is going to win the game or lose the game for the 49ers. So obviously Jalen Hurts has the edge there in the quarterback race. Another interesting matchup in that game are the Eagles wide receivers against the 49ers D because the Eagles have a fantastic running attack, just unbelievable. But that Niners front seven is one of the scariest front sevens we've seen in football in the past. I want to say, you know, let's say three or four years. Uh, It's pretty good. And you know what? The Eagles are no slouches either. You know, I think they led the league in sacks. So uh, that it's just an interesting matchup because the 49ers also have a very, very good secondary and uh, the Eagles weapons. I mean, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Dallas Goddard, and then you have Quez Watkins who could hurt you deep on a shot, you know, for a 60 yard bomb. Just, it's just really just an unbelievably talented group going up uh, against that defense where I'm super interested and where I think this game could come down to. Now, I think it's shored up in the past few weeks. And, you know, the Eagles look like a scary team, especially after last week's win against the Giants, where they just absolutely hammered them. The Giants didn't have a sniff. It was was over from the moment the ball was snapped. Um, But that Eagles run D has looked a little shaky over the past few weeks and uh, into the end of the season. San Francisco, while he is banged up, he does have a calf injury. He will play. He said it in a press conference, I believe it was yesterday. There's no chance in hell this uh, this calf issue is going to hold him out of the game. They just happen to have one of the best ball carriers in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey. I think this is a key, key matchup. Um you know, you if you're if you're the Eagles defense, you want to force Brock Purdy to throw the ball. And I know Kyle Shanahan, his system will basically allow someone like me to step in there and play quarterback and have some degree of success. But the more the ball is in Brock Purdy's hands and the less it's in Christian McCaffrey's hands, that's when San Francisco can run into some problems. I'm not going to give my pick of the game just yet. Uh, We're going to get to that a little later in our sick picks. Um, But, and before I get to the matchup that, everyone cares about or everyone should care about. Uh, I got to tell you about Playground. Uh, Playground Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, minutes away from downtown Montreal. Also, the sick podcast with Tony Marinero and Matt O'Haynes. Tascam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. All right. Sick army. I got to talk to you because, you know, I just witnessed the best performance by my team, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I would, I would go as far to say as two years with uh, Joe Burrow being fully healthy Uh, to, to take the words of Chris Broussard of FS one's first things first. Those Bengals marched into Highmark Stadium last week. And what did they do to the Bills? Well, I'll tell you exactly what they did. They went into the fridge while they were home, and they raided the fridge. They they made themselves a sandwich. They left the wrappers on the counter. They, you know, squirted some mustard on the, on the counter. They didn't wipe it up. No, 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 no. They left that for the Bills to wipe it up. What else did they do? They went into the Bills' bathroom. They took a crap 
in their toilet and didn't flush. That's how disrespectful that performance or that, that dominant that performance was against the Bills. What else did they do? Well, they said, hey, Josh Allen, you see that bed over there? Make it for me. I'm going to go sleep in that. And they did. From start to end of that game. Kansas City. What did they do last week? They beat a Jacksonville Jaguars team. That is very good. Very, very good Jaguars team. However, I will say this. Patrick Mahomes suffered an ankle injury. He sat the second quarter. I'm not going to say that that was an all-world performance by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs like everyone is billing it to be. Because it wasn't. The fact is that that game was a winnable game for the Jaguars. Do you want to know why? One, Patrick Mahomes wasn't at 100%. That's obvious. But the biggest reason is that defense sucks. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is terrible. It is not a good defense. They have two good players. Two good players. One of them, Nick Bolton. Got to respect Nick Bolton, one of the best linebackers in the league. He's a great player. The other amazing player is one that does not get nearly enough respect. He is one of the best, if not the best, nose tackles in the league in Chris Jones. Chris Jones, I'll be honest, scares the hell out of me this week because we all know the offensive line issues. I'm not convinced that they were fixed against the Bills. The Bills have zero pass rush. The Bengals' offensive line dominated the game and had their way with the Bills' pass rushers. Joe Burrow was sacked one time, and it was on a scramble play outside of the pocket. We're not even going to, you know, it, it's it's a sack, but it's it shouldn't count. Anyways, those two players scare me on that defense. Other than that, let's talk about Willie Gay. Willie Gay is another linebacker that plays alongside of Nick Bolton. He was asked this week about Joe Burrow. The Cincinnati Bengals, most notably the Cincinnati Bengals offense, the team that he will be facing uh, time and time again. He was asked word for word, point blank, what impresses you about the Cincinnati Bengals offense? He said nothing. Really? Nothing? Not one thing? Jamar Chase? Joe Burrow? Joe Mixon? T. Higgins? Nothing? Nothing nothing impresses you. The versatility of play calling from offensive coordinator Brian Callahan working in tandem with Zach Taylor, the head coach. That doesn't impress you at all? Interesting, because uh, that offense, yeah, they just put up 27 points on you, uh, you know, earlier in the season. I think it was week 12. And yeah, it was, it was at home at Paycor Stadium at, in Cincinnati. But you know what? I don't care because people are going to say, oh, the Bengals only won that game because, you know, Harrison Butker, he missed the kick. And Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends to ever play the game, he fumbled the ball. He never does that. Yeah, well, you know what else doesn't happen? Tyler Boyd doesn't drop passes. He dropped a wide open touchdown. Would have walked into the end zone. Could have sipped a coffee and then strolled in. Walked right into the end zone for seven or six, rather. And he didn't because he dropped the pass. So none of this if, ands, or buts that happened. What happened was the Bengals beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They are, th well, Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes. We all know the stat. 3-0. and 3-0. Oh. Oh. Now, Patrick Mahomes, 
He's not at 100%. And 80%, that's me being generous because, you know, it's a high ankle sprain on his right ankle. That's that's his back ankle. He pushes off that. That's the one he's going to use to strengthen his throws and really roll out of the pocket. That it, I'll call it at eighty percent because it's going to be shot up with a bunch of toradol and whatever else that they uh, that they throw at players. He's not even going to know he has an ankle. Anyways, an eighty percent Patrick Mahomes is better than thirty-one quarterbacks in the NFL, except for one, and that man's name is Joe Burrow. This man owns Patrick Mahomes. This man owns. The Chiefs. And I'll tell you why. It's not just because he's 3-0 and against them. It's because he is constantly doubted time and time again. Disrespected by media members. Disrespected in the NFL world. That, you know, oh, they, you know, they, he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're nothing. They're nothing. Don't worry. They're, they, they'll fade away. They'll fade away. They're not going to fade away. Joe Burrow, as long as he's playing, the Super Bowl window is open. He said it himself. What are they going to do to the Chiefs? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to try to get to Burrow because you know what they did last game? They played soft coverage, soft zone, and Burrow torched him. Absolutely torched him. So they're not going to go after that again because that would be ludicrous to do the thing that, you know, you lost doing. That would be ludicrous. Well, that leaves one thing. They're going to try to get after the quarterback. Offensive line is injured. Seems like a good idea. Alex Kappa's out. So is Jonah Williams, deemed out today officially for the game. Well, guess what? Joe Burrow is the number one quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz. You want to blitz him? Sure. He only needs three seconds to get the ball out to Jamar Chase, who's going to make a man miss. Oh, Jamar Chase, by the way, is the man who went for 250 yards against you last year in Paycor Stadium. He's also the man who caught a touchdown that uh, gave, that tied the game for the Bengals in the AFC Championship game last season. Don't worry. It, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, so good. So good. He's so good. He's the best. How could, how could you even talk? How could you even put Joe Burrow in the same sentence as Patrick Mahomes? It's crazy. Why are you doing this? I'll tell you exactly why I'm doing this. Their first matchup ever, head-to-head, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, last year, week 17. Had a pretty good game, Patrick Mahomes. 26 for 35, that's a 70, just under 75% completion percentage, 259 yards and two touchdowns. All right, not bad. What happened to the playoffs last year? The playoffs, well... Patrick Mahomes threw for 275 yards and three touchdowns. That's pretty good. Oh, wait. He also threw two interceptions against Lou Anarumo's defense. That is better this year. More together this year. Nastier this year. Meaner this year. Got sacked four times. QBR 46. It's not good. That's a rating out of 100, by the way. So, I don't know. This year? What happened this year? I'll tell you exactly what happened this year. And that's a full, this is a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes earlier this year. 16 for 27. That's 59.3% completion percentage. 223 yards, one touchdown. That's it. One touchdown, sacked twice. Salut la visit, Patrick. You're 0-3, okay? You're not the kings of the AFC. You're not. The Cincinnati Bengals are. They are, they are the defending AFC champions and they will continue 
to be the defending AFC champions when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, the game's at, you know what? Grab the line right now. Grab the line. You know what? Let's do it. Let's make some money. Sammy and Julietta, hit the buzzer. We're going to make some money. Hit the sick. It's time for Sick Picks. Brought to you by Betway. Sick Picks is brought to you by Betway. You must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. Okay, here are my top five picks for the week. I don't want to hear any backlash against it. Because this is all going to happen. I'm telling you right now. You want to make money? Listen to me. I won a $765 parlay last week. That's how much I won on a $50 parlay. Excuse me. This is going to happen. Because I bet on the Bengals against the Bills. Which Cash, who you will notice, is not here. Because you know what? I don't need Cash after that. You talk you talk smack about the Bengals? What do they do? They, they beat the crap out of your Bills. It wasn't even close. So. This is what's going to happen this week. You're going to take the Bengals on the money line. Because I don't know why. Plus 105. Listen, keep countering them out. It's bulletin board material. They're 3-0 against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, with Joe Burrow. And they've won now 10 games in a row. And oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Here's a stat for you. Since 2002, there have been 17 teams that have won a divisional playoff game by at least 17 points. The Bengals won last week 27 to 10, as a reminder. 13 of them, that's 76.5%, went on to win their conference championship and reach the Super Bowl. Since uh, that's since 2002, that's 76.5%. You following along? Since 2008. It's 9 out of 11 with the 2018 Chiefs and the 2013 Patriots being the two that did it. 81.8% of teams that win the divisional round by 17 points or more go on to win the next game and make it to the big dance. So what you're going to do, you're going to take number one. You're going to take Bengals money line. Me personally, I put down a lot of money on Bengals money line. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw down to them on minus Bengals minus six. And what am I going to do if they go down by seven off the opening drive? I'm going to bet the live line because they're going to win the game. Point final. Patrick Mahomes is not fully healthy. He is still Mahomes. He's still amazing. He's not healthy. He doesn't do well against Lou Anarumo's defense when he is healthy. How's he going to do when he's 80%? And that's, again, that is me being generous. You don't cut the same way you cut in defense than you do in a game. You do not push off your foot the way you push off your foot in practice than you do in a game. He looks fine. He's jogging around out there. That's great. They're going to keep him in the pocket. They don't want him using that, that foot too much. Stay in the pocket, Patrick. That's exactly where we want you. And let our let DJ Reader feed you your lunch. Second pick, Joe Mixon, the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Over 59 and a half rushing yards. Every game, in those three games, he has rushed for at least 60 yards. 60 was on the low end. That was against that was in week 17 last year. In the playoffs, he ran for, I believe, over 100. And in the, uh, the the Week 12 game, he ran over 100 again against this Chiefs team. The Bengals want to run the ball. They have a damaged offensive line. The way to do the, the way to protect your offensive line and protect Joe Burrow the best 
is to get that ground game going. So Joe Mixon over 59 and a half rushing yards. And I think that's a great number, by the way. Great for the better, by the way. Next pick. This guy's an X factor. Don't worry. I will. I do have bets on the Eagles and 49ers. This is not a Bengals segment. I know. I know. Don't worry. We're going to get there. But right now, the next pick, you're going to go Hayden Hurst, the tight end for the Bengals, over 33 and a half receiving yards. This guy was the guy last week against the Bills. He found he was able to get open nonstop and just. They just fed him the ball, fed him the ball, fed him the ball, fed him the ball, and he ate. He ate for over 60 yards in that game. So Hayden Hurst, I I think he will pretty comfortably get over 33 and a half uh, receiving yards. If you want to go crazy, take Jamar Jamar Chase's yards. It's at 83 and a half. I think he'll get that too. But hey, uh, you know, I... Not everyone can hit the over, or maybe they can. Maybe the Bengals will go for 600 yards against this terrible defense. Anyways, let's move on to the other game. Uh, this is a, more of a value play more than anything. And and frankly, it could happen. It's There's a very good chance of it happening. Is uh, Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown? There is some very, very good value on that. Uh, that's at plus 125 right now on some books. I really like that number. It seems like he scores every single game. I really regretted not taking him uh, to score last week because I I thought he was too injured to do that. Uh, And, you know, they would play it safe and not put him into contact in harm's way. But, hey, it's the playoffs, baby. Uh, You only got one shot at these things. So uh, Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown, you know if they find themselves on the one-yard line of San Francisco – he's getting the ball. So that's a a really good number to get that that prop at. And, uh, you know, I I think that – Brock Purdy will be tested in this game. I think he will have to throw the ball quite a bit because, uh, frankly, I, I I don't know what Christian McCaffrey's health is at right now. You know, we know he's going to play, but how much is he going to play? How effective is he going to be when he plays? So uh, all that being said, George Kittle seems to be uh, Brock Purdy's favorite target. Take uh, I, I really like this number. I think it's a great number because he's had a couple down weeks uh, in, in the past couple weeks. George Kittle over three and a half receptions. He could hit that in the first half, easy money. I mean, it doesn't get much simpler than that. So to recap, we got the Bengals on the money line. We got Joe Mixon over 59 and a half rushing yards. Hayden Hurst over 33 and a half receiving yards. Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. And George Kittle over three and a half receptions. Sick army, remember what I told you tonight, okay? Don't be fooled into thinking, oh my God, it's Patrick Mahomes at home and he's only a one point. We're getting him under a field goal. We should take it. We should. You're throwing away your money. Take the Bengals, but I'm sorry. There's no more room left on the bandwagon. You had your chance. You blew it. We ride on to Arizona and the Super Bowl and the first championship in franchise history. I'm not even going to say I'm going to have to eat my if I have to eat my words next week because I'm not going to have to. The Bengals are winning this game. That's a Matt O'Hayan guarantee. The Cincinnati Bengals will win this game. Who day? Go Bengals. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast 
is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.